Whenever you're ready. And should I look there or anywhere? In situ. In situ. Yeah, it's uh, in situ, in situ, in situ, in situ. That is so good. In situ, in situ, in situ, in situ. Okay, so in situ. In situ is the name of the European platform for artistic creation in public space. Led by Lieu Public, we are based in Marseille, France. And in this podcast, you will hear the voices of our members who live and work all across Europe. Nature, social justice, cultural identity, digital spaces, communities, regeneration of places. Each episode will bring a specific topic of conversation between three of our members. A partner, an associate artist and an associate citizen. Uncommon Spaces is the name of our current project and we welcome you to the Institute podcast. In this first episode of the second season, we will discuss the topic of regeneration of places. David Kaspar is the associate citizen from Stierini in Czech Republic. Anna Djeribetti Argiles is our partner in this episode. She is the artistic director of Fira Terega in Spain. And Veronika Tsekova is the associate artist of La Strada in Austria. This conversation was recorded remotely from behind our computers. So we asked all participants to start with a presentation of themselves, starting with our artist Veronika Tsekova. I'm Veronika Tsekova. I'm uh, born and originally coming uh, from uh, Bulgaria. And now I'm in Graz, Austria. I'm the associate artist from La Strada Festival in Graz. I work mostly in public spaces. It can be from a very small installation or intervention in public space to a bigger performances. And yeah, I'm not limiting myself to a medium. I'm just interested in working outside with the city. I'm Anna Gidibet Argiles, and I'm the artistic director of Fira Tarrega, which is a performing arts market located in Tarrega, west from Barcelona, and is a really big festival in a really small city. My name is David Kaspar. I am uh, at the moment uh, working as a deputy mayor of a Prague district uh, 10. It's about the size of a middle-sized city. It's about 120,000 people. Uh, I'm responsible for social agenda, but personally or with my heart, I am a cultural manager who is organizing events and, and festivals in the public space. Um, we ran a street for art festival in Prague for 10 years. The Dystopia project, the idea was born in this uh, long lockdowns when uh, the Uncommon Spaces project started and we were supposed to uh, make art in public space. But instead we were just sitting at home and uh, having this Zoom, endless Zoom meetings and so on. It's a very good example actually for how I work because it's combining uh, my recent interest in languages the visual perception of language 
and uh, my uh, attitude towards public space, I usually make an intervention using what is already there, and I'm just adding something that is changing the meaning or the energy, and the dystopia is a very good example because I'm using um, existing stop signs on the streets, and I'm just adding uh, this to additional um, shields that convert the stop to do dystopia. I did a tryout in um, Tarega. Minimum 10, 15 people, I think, joined this walk. And at each stop, people were holding the extra shields to turn the stop into a dystopia. I did it also here in Austria back then. And now I'm doing a kind of variation of this. I'm already having here at home a real stop sign that was already on the streets here in Graz. And I'm going to convert it to a dystopia. And it will be part of uh, La Strada Festival this year. I couldn't manage to see it alive. But I remember all the words on the walls in the, the changing meanings of the structures or the architecture because of the text or because of the mix of these words. And I think that this is fantastic how text can change the idea or the concept of a place. So that's the thing I like the most about Veronica's work. I was in Chile a few months ago and I had the opportunity to listen to a company called uh, The Other Art, The Otro Arte. And to be honest, at the beginning of the meeting, uh, it wasn't my type of artist or it wasn't my type of aesthetics. But at some point, I connect with this guy because he was doing a work for kids. His company was uh, served to the kids' collectivity and he's doing a big, large-scale shows with a lot of colors on the shows and he always planned or emplaced the shows in areas where the neighborhoods are very dwarf, very bad safety, very poor areas. And his goal is to change the memories of the places. At that point is when I connect with him because he was giving to the children another opportunity to give these places another meaning and to activate the spaces because the kids never forgot about the peace or because the space or the squares can be different. So that what uh, most important for me when the art has the opportunity to change memories, to give positive things for the place, even if it's just ephemeral. But that's one of the things that I like the most when I pass through this square. And at that point, I remember when Veronica put that word on the square. When that happens, is wow, that for me is kind of a regeneration of this place. There is this bridge in, in Prague, this huge, huge bridge. It's very tall and it's often used uh, for suicides. And people jump out of this bridge. And uh, this artist called uh, Krzysztof Kintera made this statue 
which is basically a lamp situated uh, below the bridge. So it's like a regular public lamp, but it's not shining down and it's turned to shine up to the sky for these uh, victims of the suicide. And what I like about it is that this artist uh, made it completely on his own. Uh, it was kind of like a guerrilla action. He absolutely didn't cooperate with the city. So it was kind of a wild process, but he made it. And he actually made the lamp shining. It was kind of amazing. I did very few projects on myself for which I asked permission. So, <laughs> but I learned somehow through the years when I'm doing something that is not, uh, I don't have official paper or permission. Happens that I'm confronted with uh, police or other kind of authorities, projects that involve a lot of people or take longer time or occupy more space. Um, can be risky, but uh, on the other hand, if what is done there is not damaging anything in public space or harassing people that are at the moment there and so on and so on, personally, I don't find uh, uh, a necessity and reason to ask for permission. And I think this is maybe overrated somehow that for every breath uh, that you take in public space, you have to ask a permission. It's another question if you're an organization, then of course uh, you have to, you have to. Because maybe <laughs> this will be the last time you do something. <laughs> I would not call it an anarchistic, but subversive maybe. I love what Veronica says. I mean, the anarchy of the art is, is necessary, but because everything has to be very planned, everything has to be scheduled, everything has to be done like that way and all has to be well organized in advance. My question is, what happens about uh, the surprises? What happens about the unexpected things, which is one of the most important things that happens in public space, into the streets? And how can you manage that in the middle of a festival when there are massive people attending this festival? Is there any space for the no control? Is there any space for the non-expected things or non-expected artists? I'm saying that because Fira Targa is a massive festival. A lot of, a thousand of people are coming to a very tiny city. So we have to manage everything. We have to, to have everything under control. Otherwise, it could be a mess. But last edition, we were asking ourselves, how can we surprise the audience, they already know everything that we are doing. They know all the times, they know where the artists are performing, the places where they are performing. So we came up with that idea of trying to surprise the citizens with some pieces, with some artists under the umbrella of the unexpected. So there were five or six companies that suddenly appeared into the square performing a show. 
Of course, we as organizers had the control of that, you know, so, but the rest of the people uh, didn't know about it. Uh, it's a lie. I mean, uh, there was a control behind it, no, but we wanted that because at least we, we need to play a little bit of this characteristic of the public space, which is the surprise, the unexpected. In nowadays, with all the red paper, with all the security and all that, and it's losing something about the quotidianity of the public space. So that's why I like the work of Veronica, because she's not asking sometimes uh, permissions. In, in our festival, maybe the more anarchic artists are the ones who are not on the program the ones, the buskers, you know, the ones that just appearing in the street and they start to play. Of course, it's another artistic line, but in terms of anarchy, these, the buskers are the most anarchist artists in our festival, to be honest. There is always a balance between an artistic freestyle and some necessity to, to cooperate with the public sphere. So there is a project called 25 square meters and uh, it was basically a fence uh, put in the middle of the square uh, in five to five meters you know and just fenced around the the empty space and the artist put it there at night and left it there and it took about two months uh, before the city turned it down because uh, It was so uh, so unable to find out who put up the fence and uh, what is it for there. So the city is very slow and, and very lazy and the artists are in advantage because they can act fast. But otherwise, of course, there are events which you need to cooperate uh, with the municipalities. And what I feel as my mission in politics is to really articulate that the public space is a part of a cultural infrastructure. It's really a space for... Uh, which we need to understand as a space for art. I really like what Richard Sennett says. He says that public space exists when two people bump to each other. I mean, I like that idea that with no people on the public space, the public space doesn't exist. For me, that means that public space has to be something about communication and about exchanging, about uh, encounters. I'm very worried about loneliness as a society. I think that our society's loneliness is becoming a social problem. And, and I really think that public space and the art in public space has something very good to, to do on that. And I'm very interested on developing games, games between kids and elderly people, intergenerational games on public space as a way of reconnecting, as a way of fighting against loneliness and putting everybody together. What I like the most about this, this concept regeneration of places is about changing perceptions how uh, because of the festival the whole city changes because of the festival or because of a performance and our perception of this place of this square of this field 
changes because of art. That's what it's most important for me for regeneration of places. Regeneration for me, it's uh, making the space alive. Uh, so it's definitely about people. It's definitely about uh, interaction. It's definitely about uh, feeling well. As a people working in municipalities, if we are thinking about how to change the public spaces, we should be definitely thinking about to make it functional uh, for people, for their usage. There is a very simple project. It's called Prague Chairs. And it's really about putting chairs and small tables in a different spaces and places around the city. So place which used to be empty and there were no place to sit, all of a sudden there is a chair and a small table and people can sit there and relax and, and talk and have a meeting and have coffee. And it's just very simple and it's very functional. It creates action and it creates interaction because there is this saying which I love a lot and it's the principle of functioning and vibrating public places and it's the people are where the people are. You know, the people are very uh, curious and if there is some action going on, they stop and they watch and they come closer and it's the flame for vibration, you know. The curiosity, it's actually a starting point for livable public spaces. Regenerating spaces, for me, it's really to change the energy of the space. Because usually it has no energy or already bad energy. So, with at least with what I'm doing, I really try to change the energy of the space. And what David was saying, with this example, with the Prague Chairs project, here we see how important it is not always to wait for permission. I don't think this is a project that has a a very long list uh, submitted to the local authorities uh, for each chair where, where and when it will be placed. I had some project last year in public space. Uh, this is the project Space Appropriators, which I started actually in Bulgaria and then I continued uh, here in Graz and in some other cities and countries. Uh, the space appropriators are very delicate interventions in public space. They use different elements of the city, uh, urban furniture or just tiles or manhole covers and so on and so on. And just by adding small details, so to say, I convert them to games or to game fields. So you can play actually in the city by very small intervention. And it's different if you do something alone as an independent artist or you're part of official program of a festival. I can give one of my favorite examples. The last of the Bulgarian space appropriators uh, took place in front of the embassy of the British uh, ambassador in Sofia. The whole street where was the walls surrounding this residency had this long row of very tall, very solid bollards, security bollards. I guess that no tank is breaking through the wall, I don't know what. So uh, I converted one of these bollards 
to a cocktail table just by adding a nice white uh, tablecloth and I put um, a violet ribbon and I opened myself a small uh, glass of Prosecco, put it in my, <laughs> in my plastic <laughs> Prosecco glass and I drank it there. <laughs> and a friend of mine was filming. And this all took place and then the security came. But we were ready. We just want to make close-ups for the video. So he was, oh, but this is not allowed here, and so on and so on. And I just asked, can we just finish our close-ups? And we are gone. <laughs> and he stepped away 20 meters away and waited for me. <laughs> I really love such examples. And the next year, I did it um, as a group performance. But this was part of a, a Sofia Contemporary Festival. So, of course, then the festival was asking for uh, permission that this takes place because all of the bollards were converted to cocktail tables. Uh, on each table was one or more people because the passerby were also joining. We found a sponsor with wine. So it turned into a little uh, closing event for the festival, very spontaneously. We have to make a balance of everything. Big scale shows are needed because the ritual of thousands of people spending the same time together looking at the show or listening to music, a gig, this is very special and that happens just in the public space and we need that for the big audience. We have to manage to bring the big scale but also with a minimalist and unexpected and the artistic proposals that Veronica is doing and mix it with medium scale. I mean, everything has to be a place. Everything has to be, has to be an opportunity at the public space because the public space is for everybody. So I believe on this diversity of content and of course also the diversity of formats site-specific, unexpected shows, anarchic artists. The formula is which balance, which equilibrium you make for make it possible, but it has to be a place for everybody. And uh, listening to David and Veronica looks like we as a citizens, I'm talking now as a citizen or as an organizer, we are losing rights for the city as a citizen. The urban life, Veronica was saying about play, to play at the street, to play in the public space, to improvise. Every time uh, to make things on the public space requires more control and more permissions and all that. And we have to recuperate this freedom of this anarchy as an artist, as an organizer and as a citizens. We are not playing on the public spaces. We are not uh, having meetings. And maybe we will have a very arty benches on the street, on the square, but do we spend time on that benches sharing with the stranger, sharing this kind of urban life is the, is the thing that I miss. I'm from a very small village and there is something very nice about the neighborhood, about how in the small areas the kids are still playing with no parents on the areas because there was just one adult taking care of all the group or all the bunch of the kids. So there was something about the size of the cities, about the peripheries or the no big cities 
where this kind of anarchy of the kids still happens, but it's not often happens in, in the big cities. So this is a big difference about places. We didn't talk about it, but small areas and big areas. I think in these terms, uh, the freedom of the kids in small areas is such a different thing to the big cities. I grew up in Sofia. This is the capital of Bulgaria. It's a big city. But I'm from the generation that we still played outside the street without being accompanied by any parents. Nowadays, this is not existing at all. The people are losing uh, this uh, possibility and feeling to spontaneously engage with public space, to spontaneously use it. And in this way, they are really losing connection to public space. You use it physically, you're passing by, or you go to the bus stop or the subway and parking your car and so on, but you don't have any connection with this space anymore. And this, for me, it's very bad because this changed the attitude towards public space into a negative way. People don't treat it with respect. They don't expect a lot of positive uh, input from this space. And this relation, it's really, for me, disintegrating somehow. And uh, here steps in art that uh, energizes, provokes, connects, so for me, it's very important that it's there, the art in the public space. It's a good point because I was just thinking about it. Like, who is really the owner of a public space, you know? And the answer is uh, everyone is. It's a common space. We share it. And there's this test, you know? You, you walk out and you see a little a paper lying on the ground or some banana. Do you pick it up and throw it away? Or you say, it's not mine, I don't care. But that's a very easy test. You can, you can do it on yourself, how you are willing to participate on a better public spaces. And I very agree what has been said there about lack of interest in public spaces. And next to every individual is our institutions who should be also taking responsibility for public spaces. So if every institution founded by public money would not only feel responsible of what is inside of it and also took some responsibility what's in front of it, then uh, many public spaces would be uh, better. The place is mine, this public space is mine, but not really, it belongs to somebody. This conflict, this personal conflict, it's mine, but not really. I think each one of us has to solve this. Rosalie Gonzalez and Wafa Mesbawi have been coordinating this podcast. And Jeanne Robet has been editing it. This podcast is co-founded by the Creative Europe Programme of the European Union. Thank you for listening. We hope you have enjoyed this conversation.